This episode is sponsored by Amino Complete RX, pharmaceutical grade powdered collagen plus aminos. This is one of my favorite products. It's something I recommend to all my friends and family, and it's something that I've recommended to clients for years. Anyone that's ever told me, anyone that tells me they've been having a rough go of things, they're 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 not in a good a good they're not having a good space. Things haven't been going great. They're trying to get in a better habit, a better routine, just trying to get things going together in their lives. This is always the first place that I get get them going. So look forward to our website. Uh, uh, we'll have the link up on this episode page and uh, become a member. If you become a member, you get discounts immediately. So membership is the key to immediate discounts and to supporting our podcast. And uh, with that, here's our first guest. Enjoy the episode. If you listen closely, you can hear the voices. You can hear them whisper their legacy to you. Go and lean in. From somewhere deep inside the evergreen forests of the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> Everything you know is wrong. Wrong, sir. Wrong. With Jeremy Horn. We're an inhuman monster. I said good day. And with that, let's get to our first guest. Uh, when we first launched this podcast, we wanted to convey from the very first episode our mission to engage in informative dialogue with thoughtful and accomplished guests. And I knew right away who I wanted to be as our first guest. Uh, Dr. Herb Joyner Bay is an author, a consultant, uh, a doctor of naturopathic medicine, as well as an adjunct professor at Bastyr University. He's a educator. He's a lecturer. He holds degrees in physics and mathematics from Johns Hopkins University. Uh, and unfortunately for him, he's also my friend. So, uh, he has to deal with that burden. <laughs> uh, Urban, I can talk for hours and, and every time we talk, I, I learn something new thanks to his vast base of knowledge and wonderful perspective. Um, and I think he invariably learns something new from me, uh, every time we talk simply on the basis that I'm incapable of shutting my dumb trap. Uh, I talk at people so much that they can't help, but allow something to sink in once in a while. That's, that's my, uh, that's my tactic, I guess. That's my, my, my MO. Um, but when, when Herb and I get together, we like to play a game where we solve all the world's problems. So this podcast has very little structure and is more of a way of sharing with people our, our little game. So if you want the world to be a better place like we do, please feel free to send us tools, practices, lessons, stories, suggestions, uh, any ideas or any practices that you do in your daily life, anything else that you use to live a better life uh, or make better sense of the world we live in, uh, by all means, share with us, uh, let us know what you do and how we can fit it into our own lives and, and um, all of us can, uh, can grow as people. So with that, uh, enjoy the episode. Well, her Welcome. To the Treetop Tavern, what do you think? I think it's fabulous. This is really a spectacular place. Pretty unique, right? Very unique. Yeah. This is exciting. You, uh, I don't, I'm not sure if you realize this, but you are officially our first guest. I understand that. This, I greatly yeah. appreciate the honor. That's Thank right. We didn't talk much. about that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Very intentionally, just because we wanted to kind of set the tone for the kind of conversations we want to have here and the kind of minds that we want to engage with. And so you're the first one that came to mind. Friend of mine, you're brilliant. Every time we talk, I have a blast. It's always a thrill. You've always, you always teach me something new. So you're very kind. I hope we don't uh, shake things up. Disappoint too much everyone right, <laughs> right off the bat. It goes downhill from here. Yeah, it's already. <laughs> um, so a couple things. One, the name of the podcast, as you know, is "Everything You Know Is Wrong." And because we live, unfortunately, in an age not only of information, but misinformation. Mm -hmm. And misinformation travels so much faster. Right. And ideas get disseminated before they've been validated, before they've been vetted, and they're just out there. And uh, I read recently that um, there's, you know, the famous thing that a lot of people always talk about, how with kids that are, not struggle that are struggling in school, parents always say, well, you'll be fine because Einstein failed math. 
You've heard that, right? Yeah, that old, right? absolutely. So it's like an old wives that everybody's heard. I didn't know that that started while Einstein was still alive, right? Yes. And because we didn't live in an age of technology where he could just send a tweet, be like, yeah, this is not true. <laughs> this is nonsense. Exactly. We just split an atom. You, you know that, right? You know? Right. So he, even he, during his lifetime, was like, why do people keep saying that? I know. That's nonsense. Even in his own time, right? So now, with so much information getting put out there, <clears throat> so much misinformation gets kicked right back out. So now I feel like there's even more of a responsibility to... You know, there's one little problem. Uh, David Brooks has said this on the news a couple of weeks ago. They're finding that when fact checkers challenge what politicians are saying, well, those people who want to believe the politician, the the incorrect factoid goes deeper into their minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fact checking doesn't work mm-hmm. because just the fact that the, the fact checker pointed out that fact, it becomes more deeply ingrained in mm-hmm. how the person thinks. Yeah. It's just it's just unfortunate. That's how that's how people are. That's how their minds respond. Yeah. Ever- so it takes such a, a we have so many things that are driven into our subconscious way of thinking that's hard for us, unless we really are very rigorous, to dig that stuff out, challenge it, and turn it around. Yeah. I'll give you an example that's really shocking. There's a guy named Tim Wise, who's probably this country's leading uh, European-American speaking about anti-African racism in this country. And he knew a woman who spent her, a white woman spent her entire life speaking on the issue of um, anti-African racism, her whole life fighting anti-African racism. Well, now she's in her old age, and now she's coming down with senile dementia. Because of the disintegration of her cerebral cortex function, all the limbic stuff coming up, the emotions of it's coming up, and now she's directing racial epithets at the African-American women who are helping her in the nursing home. Oh. She spent her whole life fighting this, but because the culture is so deeply ingrained in yeah. us, all this uh, racist belief system, now it's coming up in her, even though she spent her whole life fighting it. Oh, That's how deeply ingrained false ideas and false oh, yeah. concepts are. Yeah. I call it cultural lies. We grew up with cultural lies mm-hmm. about racial superiority, gender superiority, all kinds of issues where we put other people down to relative to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And once you start engaging these, as we've had this very conversation, one of the most important things a person can, can do in his or her life, and Christian Murray talked about this, the famous Indian uh, philosopher, uh, the great souls of history always realized at a certain point in their lives that their minds were culture conditioned to believe things that weren't true. Mm-hmm. And they spent the rest of their lives trying to undo that conditioning. Yeah, yeah. That's the only way to get free of it. Mm-hmm. But even then, after all this effort, you still may not be free. <laughs> yeah. You want to hear something nuts? That's that's exactly it. How do you get free? Uh, I have so many clients of mine living here in the Pacific Northwest that are brilliant engineers from all over the world come to Microsoft, Boeing, Costco, Amazon, right? We harvest the best engineers on the planet right, right here in our backyard. Mm-hmm. So I get all these clients that are uh, Indian, uh, uh, Asian, uh, Mediterranean, right? And they come here and they come to me and say... <clears throat> They come to me because they're, they're, they're 30 pounds overweight, they're having trouble focus, they're losing hair, they're stressed out. So I ask them a few questions that have nothing to do with health. It's, I, I go, so how long have you lived in India or Cyprus or wherever you're from, right? And they'll be like, man, 35 years? How long have you been living in the U.S.? Four years. And how, how long have you been gaining weight? Four years. It took you four years to become an American, right? Right. I go, how often do you eat uh, Indian food? They're like, uh, when you were in India. They're like, oh yeah, uh, three times a day, seven days a week. How often do you eat in the U.S.? Ah, my wife makes it like a couple times a week. Is that alarming to you? You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm telling this to so someone. So they abandon their own, li- their own diet and lifestyle. To become American. Because yes. our culture is so pervasive, right? Oh, well, and, and exactly. And, it, and every time I show them, I just show them the mirror. And I go, this is not me trying to convince you no. of an Indian way of life. You are Indian. You know. And I have to do this with my own family. It's because family members, you know what I mean, uh, or, 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 or friends of family, will come to the U.S. and start eating KFC and developing health problems. And we're like, well, you notice how nobody in our family has cholesterol problems? Right. Nobody, nobody... 
uh, Asian, you know, Asians don't get have high cholesterol in any of the rates of, in the U.S., right? Correct. Well, nobody coughs on Asians on the plane over here and gives them high cholesterol. No. Obviously, there's no. a philosophical change, right? No. So I go, there's nobody in our family with high cholesterol except for these two family members, and they're the only ones that eat fast food. I don't know what to sell you. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's amazing. One of the, um, I do a lot of work in terms of the Paleolithic diet and um, the kind of work done by Dr. Uh, Dennis Burkett, who was the senior British medical officer in sub Saharan Africa in the early part of, this, uh, this, of the 20th century. Uh, and also uh, Hugh Trowell and the, the very famous uh, Dr. Weston Price, the dentist who went around the world looking at what happened when indigenous peoples were first exposed to the Western refined diet. And the information is so clear. You go through all these stages of degeneration within those, those cultures, those populations. Quickly, once, right? Very quickly. Very quickly. It yeah. happens very fast. Yeah, that's what's alarming. It's, it's absolutely shocking. And what, what you're saying is, is, is really quite true. When you go to other parts of the world, people are eating their own indigenous food, even in European countries, you don't see the obesity you see in this country. Not at all. The moment you step off the plane coming back from one of those countries, you are shocked about how relatively obese the American people are. Yeah. And it's all, all people that are uh, Indians and Europeans and Asians slim. And then they come and they get paunchy and then they come to me to help That's them right. with weight loss. I go, That's weight right. loss is not the problem. It took you three years to become pure American, <laughs> just right. absorbed by the culture. And I understand it to an extent is that like uh, with Korean food, I don't go to a lot of Korean restaurants because I've got family members that make incredible Korean food. Right. So when I go to a restaurant, I'm almost like too judgy. I'm like, well, this could be better. As opposed to just enjoying the meal. Exactly. So I can see somebody <clears throat> from somewhere else is not going to enjoy that. But it's still, it's alarming, like you said, how quickly the body makes those shifts and changes. On a positive light, that's what you and I do is we tell people how quickly you can change that back. It just takes deliberate effort. It takes work. It takes lifestyle changes. But the body wants to get happy again. It doesn't want to stay in that state. It wants to. Well, see, this is something that is so important. We, we should, something that uh, Dr. Jeffrey Bland, uh, this country's most distinguished uh, nutritional biochemist says, you eat for your genes. Mm -hmm. If you fail to do that, you're going to suffer. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, the way I describe it uh, in modern terms now, every cell in your body is a remote outpost. And all it can do to survive is to depend on what comes in this direction down the bloodstream, mm -hmm. water, oxygen, nutrients. If you fail to supply your cells with what they want, they will suffer. Mm -hmm. They'll have to, to burn up uh, reserves that should be you know, uh, kept for old age to make pure people uh, vital and, uh, and have lots of aliveness in their senior years. But if they have to burn all that stuff up you know, in earlier years, then automatically you're increasing the, the speed of, of aging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is so important. Every cell is a remote outpost. Make sure those cells get exactly what they want every single day. Yeah. It's such an important thing. It's such a simple thing, but we don't think that way. That's true. We've because only... we're just programmed to, to put in our mouths what would the commercial interests want us to put in our mouths yeah, every day. Yeah, yeah. I see friends of mine that will post pictures on social media of them eating Fruit Loops and be like nothing better than Fruit Loops. I'm like, you're in it. You have three children. Yeah, knock it off. It's it's Fruit Loops are great, but get that for someone's birthday. It shouldn't be your adult. No. Stop eating Fruit Loops every day. You know. <laughs> so this whole discussion was about uh, about the whole issue of you no know, not believing what we've been told. But I'm okay with Fruit Loops. That's the that's the yeah, thing. right. When you when I say things like that, people's initial response is, but I like Fruit Loops. Oh, like I know. I'm attacking it. I go, no, I'm not saying don't eat Fruit Loops. Fruit, fruit Loops all you want. Just don't eat it every day. That's but senseless. see, the mind's programmed to like it's Fruit programmed. Loops. Mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah. your cells don't want Fruit Loops. Right, they, right. Want, they want yeah. something more nutritious yeah. than that. Uh, yeah. Earl Nightingale's was probably this country's most um, distinguished uh, motivational speaker uh, and writer. And back in the 1950s, he prepared what became 
the first non-musical recording ever to sell a million copies. Ooh. It's famous. It's called uh, The Strangest Secret. You can actually go to YouTube and it's put in there. Earl, How, what, what, Ni- Earl Nightingale, The Strangest Secret. What year? What, what time? About 1955, 56, something 50, like that. Real? Okay. Very yeah. simple thing. It's a, very, it's a simple recording he okay. did in his own studio mm-hmm. and put it out. He wasn't expecting it to get that kind of response. First, made, U- first YouTube celebrity. A million celebrity. copies. For, yeah. first, in first, 1955. Uh, first, That's crazy. The first non-musical recording to sell a million yeah. copies. Yeah. And the reason was that the, the information there was so important. Right. The Strangest Secret. The strangest secret is your life was always directed by your currently dominant thoughts. Hmm. But I bring mm. that up because in the recording also made a very important statement. He was quoting someone else who said, The opposite of courage is not cowardice. The opposite of courage is conformity. Hmm. We are brainwashed or culture conditioned mentally to conform to what the conventional way of doing things this country uh, happened to be. Even the conventional foods, refined flour, refined sugar, all this junk stuff that we are culturally programmed to eat. But none of this has anything to do with our health and well-being. It takes takes real risk to stand out. That's where that courage But people is. are afraid it's, to do that. Right, we right. Are, we because are we're afraid of judgment. We're afraid of judgment. We're afraid of, yeah. And people being actually culturally uh, ostracized and shunned yeah. if we fail to do that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll say something shocking. Yeah. I, I want people to hear this. I have done a lot of work across Canada, uh, you know, giving all kinds of nutrition presentations. I'll never forget this. When I first flew into Toronto, I was picked up by a Palestinian-Canadian uh, woman. And she was driving back to the Toronto for to drop me off the hotel. The first thing out of her mouth was, "Here in Canada, you don't have to be a particular kind of person to be respected as a Canadian. In oh. America, you have to be a certain kind of person. That is true. That's you true. have to conform to a certain way of being, a certain way of That's eating true. and thinking and acting. That's true. To be accepted, which is unfortunate because this is the send me your tired, your weak. We are the the the, the forerunners of that, and yet we've lost track of that. Canada gets it. Uh, right. There's no freedom in the context of conformity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, that's yeah, even in English society, I was mentioned to someone, an English person I know. In English society, you can be eccentric if you do it with style and grace and class. You mm-hmm. can be the mm-hmm. classic English eccentric. You can't be eccentric in this country. And get away with it mm-hmm. because people will shun you they'll put you down yeah that's true that's absolutely true it's weird there's like a there's like a there's like a um a, a, a spectrum where you can be a certain bit of eccentric but you can't be too eccentric or you have to be incredibly eccentric to another you know what i mean like uh, we only elect uh, this person's a little bit quirky or this person's like liberace there's nothing in between. You can no... get away because a wealthy person was a popular entertainer. Right, right, You can get right. Atta- away with it in the entertainment industry, yeah. but not in mainstream America. It's not right. allowed. In right. small town mainstream America, it's not allowed. And that's allowed. what's unfortunate is that that's what Seattle is built on is 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 an artistic culture and a, a free culture. When I was um when I lived in D.C., people would be walking around and we'd be in town and someone would be like, man, look at that person with the with the nose ring and the mohawk and the this and that. And it's like, man, that's crazy. I'm like, not really. That's my neighbor. That's all of Queen Anne. That's all of Capitol Hill. It was right. in no way interesting to me at all, right? When I was in D.C., everyone, because D.C. is very straight-laced. It was Absolutely. just kind of like, well, that person's an individual. I'm like, not in Seattle. <laughs> that person's just yeah. that person's just a dinner guest. That's not, it's you know. A guest. Right. <laughs> right. But it's so true because I mean, back east, New York, uh, D.C. and so forth, you have a, a way of being that requires your associate to conform to a certain way of, of presenting yourself oh, to man. the world. It's it's absurd. When I met uh, when I went to college and met people from <laughs> um, boarding schools and things like that, to the extent where 
uh, it was almost like gang members where you can't wear these types of shoes. Otherwise we'll be judging for this Correct. or you can't wear this. Or it was even back then it was just kind of like, are you wearing those pants ironically? Or do you actually sail? Like why, what, why does it matter? They look good with these pants, the shoes, who cares? It, I couldn't believe it. And it's because they grew up since children of their parents saying, Hey, the, 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 the Vanderbilt's next door are throwing a dinner party. You act like this. You don't do this. Correct. You don't say this. You don't do this because it affects our social standing. That's exactly Wow. Right. That, what a struggle for kids. You yeah. have to look and be a certain way. Yeah. I, I have a good way. friend who was, um, he's a son of a, um, a former member of the Maryland Assembly. Uh, uh, he was a, a politician back in uh, Maryland government. He's a well-known uh, uh, property developer and so forth. And, of course, he was programmed to, <laughs> as a child, to act a certain way in front of the press and that kind of thing. Mm. Can you imagine the pressure on Donald Trump's children? Oh, yeah, yeah. To be a certain way, to act a certain way. I mean... You couldn't pay me to be in that situation. You know, although I will say this, and this is not a this is not a political statement at all. <clears throat> this is just I I think because Donald Trump is in the same way of more entertainer, just very recently politician. He's really been more right. on the entertainment spectrum. Uh, as a comedian, I take offense where uh, Donald Trump Jr. was was at, that was at a uh, comedy show being a complete nuisance and a jerk, and some some crowd member decked him or hit him with a bottle or something like that. Something inappropriate, something that they shouldn't have totally done. Totally inappropriate. But it was so obnoxious that everyone in the crowd was just kind of like, that was the right response because this person's ruining a night for 200 other people. What makes them so special? And, and then they found out later it was Donald Trump's son. Wait, before any of this I just thought that was hilarious that uh, that that Donald's first response is let's go sue until they realize this is great publicity so right, now right. you can kind of prop your son up and show the stitches and be like see everyone's against us like, right. well no now you look like the hero for doing something horrible you know right. you did something awful and now you look like you don't look you're, you look like the victim yeah but think about what you're saying that uh, we're talking about not believing what you're told and so forth that's how easy you can spin something any way you want to right you can spin it any way you want yeah. Right. So oh, people have to be, be willing to, to actually look through all the media hype, mm -hmm. look through all the statements, see what is really true. Well, the clickbait, like the, that's how that's how big clickbait is now is they sound found some like 70 percent of people don't even read the articles. They just immediately share them on Facebook and just split them out. And I've read articles that say one thing and then the result is completely different. And it's inferior. Right. In fact, in our industry, here's one. There was a, a study that uh, that the, the, basically the headline said Echinacea does not cure the common cold and flu. Okay. So from you and I, from our perspective, we're like, yeah, of course, nothing cures the comic. It's like saying there's no cure for penguins. You know, it's living uh, organisms right, that right. just exist, right? right. Is echinaceas in Europe is, 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 is widely accepted to bolster the body's immunity to then fight off the illness itself. Right. So I read the entire article. I was like, wait a minute, this article confirms that and confirms these multiple studies and confirms this. But then the headline was super sensational. It was totally right. incongruous to what the actual right. article was. And then everyone's, and I watched all these people passing it along on, on social media. And luckily I had read the article earlier, previous. So when people were like, nobody, clearly none of you are reading the article because everyone's like, I told my sister, connect condition doesn't work. I'm like, read yeah. the article. The article just refuted your exact statement. But Jeremy, my mind. you have to do the same thing with scientific papers. You have to read the detail yeah, 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 because yeah. you're not yeah. going to get the full picture and see, see what's there. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I, I read thousands and thousands of, of journal articles. You see the, how uh, studies are misstructured, like you're mm. using the wrong doses for a particular nutrient oh, that, or for a too short of a period of time. Drives me crazy. I mean, the people designing studies don't know what they're doing, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And you end up with the wrong, the wrong impression. Yeah. People show me studies where they go, did you see that this, this just discredited this particular nutrient? And then I read the articles like, this is a synthetic form of that nutrient. Some company just made this in a lab, tried to sell it to exactly us right. as fraud, exactly and it didn't right. work. And, exactly so they, right. and so now they can look like the heroes who discovered it. No, they're the ones that tried to create it and dump it on us in the first place. There's a, even a problem Dirty. in the scientific community. The scientific community is not, is not pure because scientists mm -hmm. get their reputations built on what's happened in the past. Mm -hmm. 
And that's why every generation has to come up with a new paradigm, and the old guys and gals have to die off before the new paradigm takes its rightful place. Right. I'll give an example. I knew someone who was at, um, he was an up-and-coming expert on uh, freshwater algae, did research in the Great Lakes, and then was doing research in the Chesapeake Bay. And he was a researcher at my old alma mater, Johns Hopkins University. I know people at JSU are not going to want to hear this, but I'll say it. <laughs> so he was coming up with new ideas about how freshwater algae behave, and wanted to publish papers on this, and his supervisor there, JHU, blocked the publication of those papers. Yeah. Blocked it yeah. because it was contrary to what the old paradigm was expressing. Right. And this guy I knew got so furious, the young man got so furious, he left the field of science and went to St. John's College in Annapolis to teach philosophy. Yeah. It was so infuriating. A young scientist just ended his career because mm-hmm. he found such dishonesty among his senior colleagues. Yeah. This yeah. happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's who's who's going to pay. Um, well, so that that's actually interesting. That kind of leads us to the next. I mean, we always talk about I just got to follow the paper trail. But uh, that leads to the next thing. That's the purpose of this podcast. How do we change that? How do we affect? How do we get people to start not responding emotionally to here's what I believe? Like when they do this every every four years, they do this for every political cycle where the journalist goes out and says, who are you supporting? And they let's just we'll use Trump and Hillary because that's what's going on right now. And they go, I support uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, well, do you support this policy? Yes. Do you support this policy? Yes. Do you support this policy? Yes. Well, those are all Trump's policies. Does that change your opinion on Hillary Clinton? Nope. People have already made their, no matter how many facts you throw at people, people have already established their perceptions. So what I do is just, I, all I do, all I do is change people's perceptions. It's just like these people that I'm like, listen, my family's Asian. You're, you know, from the Mediterranean, right? You know better. This is not me saying like, oh yeah, here's a different way of doing this. You lived this way for 40 years. Why did you change that? Just because everybody else around you did, you know? And and I have to show that, show that mirror right back to them. Right? So as a, as a, as a comment, you can ask any comedian in the country and it's going to be the same answer. The 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 most infuriating. It's the type of thing that if this one thing could go away, it would make every comedian's lives a lot easier and a lot happier. Is anytime you're in a social setting, and a lot of comedians have anxiety anyway. You're in a social setting, and people find out you're a comedian. What do you think the first thing they say is? What? Tell me a joke. Oh yes. It's okay. the most <laughs> ignorant, senseless, stupid. No. It's just the most offen- You know what I mean? It's just a, it's just a, and it's also that person's way of saying I'm an idiot. You know what I mean? Like it was, it's just that person's way of, of 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 trying to engage, but not realizing like now you're basically demanding that I entertain you, exactly. which is not my which is my job. This right now, I'm off hours, right? Right. And so it's it's and it, there's no good answer because if you answer angry, like leave me alone, you look like a jerk. People are like that guy's not funny. He's a jerk if you answer silly that person's going to want to keep engaging you silly so there's no win there's absolutely no win right? and i don't realize so, the comedy is such is one of the most difficult things to pull off it's always there's a context around it a comedian builds a context and then come the the the, the jokes and so forth you just can't come up with a joke right off the spot and make people laugh i'm glad you mentioned that that's you nailed it that's exactly what happens is that when you're talking to somebody people say oh i've always thought about doing comedy i, I can do comedy that person i can tell is a dum-dum is because they don't realize how to when you when i talk to people like man that's what a difficult thing because they realize how much writing and work and technical exactly it's be the same as like meeting alicia keys and being like i can do what she does no you can't no you can't you know I mean? do you currently play for your church organ do you currently play in a band you currently then no then how do you even conception you can see that you can't people don't get it they Pe- don't get it at all they don't get it at all and so people are like it's it's infuriating going to social settings and people being because they want to talk about them and how they would be good at comedy and i'm like this is no. not a topic i want to discuss at They're all classic right. comedians like sid caesar or uh no uh, jack benny and so forth. those guys and gals uh, no uh, george burns and gracie allen they worked out their routines oh, over man. many many years in vaudeville till they got down to a fine sign to a t they knew exactly what was going to 
making an audience laugh. To it because team. they tried it with audience after audience after audience mm-hmm. all across the country. Right. So they refined it and got better and better and better. That's why they were so great. Right, right. It took years to get to that point. Yeah. Those knives had been sharpened and you sharpened. You better believe and, it. Yeah. I mean, think about, yeah. think about the writers he had on the Sid Sheeta show. Your show oh, he had tons. He, he had was, Carl Ryan, who's still alive at he's 94. Can you believe that? Oh, Carl Ryan's still alive? He's the best. And Woody Allen was also writing that show. Oh, was he really? Yes. Oh, man. For Carl for Sid Caesar. That's fantastic. I mean, they had brilliance on that yeah. show. Yeah, absolutely. So it just takes a lot of effort. I mean, it's, it's one of oh, That's a team of geniuses. A team of geniuses. To make him look good. Well, right. So much work the same with all these guys on The Daily Show, all the, the writers oh, yeah. there, on like all these 20, 30 writers. Always. Yes. Shows. Yep. You got all these writers back there who are coming up with great ideas. So this is not, and the, the one guy but, goes out there and presents it, but a whole bunch of brilliant minds were behind but that. But that's why it looks easy. It's just like any sort of athlete, and you see them right. make a play. And someone's like, oh, he should have gotten both feet in balance. I'm like, did you see the feet of nature that that guy just did just to catch that ball? And yeah, exactly. I can't stand <laughs> armchair quarterbacks. That's correct. I've never nuts. done it. Yeah. They drive me When bonkers. you have done this, that, that level of, of excellence, then you can oh, criticize. You know, that's funny. That You bring up a good point. Like we talk about how people make their decisions uh, emotionally and then justify yes, them rationally. Exactly. Every, every sociology study shows that that's what we do. And then we try to justify it later because right. we're afraid of being like, I was wrong. I, right. I made a dumb mistake. I shouldn't have. We don't want to be challenged. I was uh, working with a, not a Hall of Famer, but he was a, a Pro Bowl winner. I'm sorry, multiple Pro Bowl uh, uh, player, uh, 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 Super Bowl champion, right? right so right. a, a high figure it's it's most difficult enough being in the nfl right. being at that caliber right. other nfl players right. were like are you his agent who are you i'm like we're just hanging out right, right, right. and we were and like he's an armchair quarterback so we go to this hotel bar because we were just trying to watch whatever game was going on mm. and uh sure enough there's some guy being loud and obnoxious we would have completely ignored this guy if he wasn't getting in the way of every other person's enjoyment of that right okay. and he's going like oh man this guy should have gone over the middle blah 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 so me with my mouth i was just i was i i, I just kind of challenged him and just 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 the way guys are just being you know blah 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 and then the guy kept coming back at me until i was like well let's just defer to pro bowler and uh um super bowl champion right here right and he's like oh man so great to meet you blah 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 and i was like so explain why this guy's wrong and then he immediately tells him yeah that's called a fake right he's actually trying to draw the receiver and completely mapped out the play and then the guy began to debate him and that's when i was like i'm never talking to another sports fan again i I cannot i cannot believe and i so i i'm joking because i'm 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 a little bit buzzed i'm being a jerk as usual and so i was like i was like wait 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 wait. so 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 when you were playing in the super bowl how did you know that that was the play you wanted to run he's like oh no i played like two years of uh of like a community college and i i just put my head in my hands and him and i was like let's just go somewhere else and i get it there's an old saying i learned a long time ago a fool knows all things except his own ignorance yeah that's and this whole issue i mean what you're saying about this guy relative to football you're Apply that across the to board. To everything. To everything. There's so many Americans don't want to own the fact that we've made, as a nation, made enormous mistakes. Oh yeah. The war in Vietnam. The war in Iraq. We don't own that. And what makes me upset is if is 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 when 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 I'm critical, people say you don't love this country or you're you're this. The big thing is to attack people for not loving America. I go no, I'm mad at you because you don't want this company, the country to be better. The reason why I'm criticizing is because we need to be better, so much better. But think about it. the whole point of criticizing. Look, if you. The most dangerous thing you can do to a drug addict is to give him or her more drugs. Yeah. yeah. The more dangerous, most dangerous thing to do to a nation that's, that's 
extremely powerful, but it's going wild and crazy with the power, is to encourage the nation to do more of the same. It's, it's riling people up. It doesn't people work. Up. Riling people you up. intervene with people to help them from yeah. doing destructive things. Right. You do it because you love the person, not because you hate the person. Exactly. It's all their egoism, and they're if you wrapping didn't, themselves in the flag. If you didn't love them, you wouldn't take the time. Exactly. And so, yes, whenever when people say I'm unpatriotic for being critical, I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is why I'm critical. Is because Here's a good example. My right. mom is from Korea, right? right? So back in the late 80s, early 90s, I don't know if you remember, but there was this big campaign pain of buy American. Right. It was like buy American clothes, buy American, right. keep the jobs here. Right. <clears throat> my mom took that incredibly seriously. You know what I mean? So people look at my mom, they see her as an, a Korean or an immigrant. Right. They don't, you know, they, they might think of her as American second, not my mom. Why do you think she came here? You know what I mean? Right. And so she, her and I, I mean, I remember Calvin Klein, different companies where we would, I, I would specifically buy and the, the fabric felt better. And I was like, no, this American stuff is good. You know what I mean? So we made a massive effort. So she would talk to all of her, uh, her, her, her friends and stuff like that. Not Korean friends, just friends in general, they could care less. And yeah. it's the, you know what I mean? It's, I it's those are the ones that are saying, if you don't love this country, get out. It's like, I no, know. if you'd love this country, make it better. Let's change some things and make it better. Well, there's another shocking statistic I heard. Uh, Mark Shields said this on the news hour oh, last year, year before. I mean, I'm a veteran of the Vietnam War and I can, I can talk about this stuff. Only 7% of the American people have ever worn the uniform of the American military services. Only 7%. Wow. All this patriotism, but they will not put their own asses on the line. Yeah. They won't do it. Yeah. I was there as an infantry officer in Vietnam. Yeah. They were not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only yeah. 7% of the American people, all this patriotic talk and nothing to back it up. Oh, that's crazy. You're right. Where were you? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Everyone that's got all the things to say, and it's because I noticed. Including including yeah. George W. Bush and uh, and um, Donald Rumsfeld, the whole gang, politicians. all these, these, these so called uh, these uh, conservatives and so forth, they have not Pol- been. There. Yeah, politicians saying, here's what we need to do, makes me, uh, makes me agitated. Absolutely. Um, uh, it's, it's like the old, uh, old quiet on the Western Front, yeah. where, where, where 18 year old kids are getting massacred, right. and then the generals are being like, what we need to do is we need to move over here and take this territory. I know. Really? That's 30 feet away, and you're guaranteed to die. How how about right. you join me? How about you come on with me? We'll take this little plot of land I that know. you want. So that's so important. It's just not seeing the on the the, the 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 personal level, the ground level, how it really affects us as people. You don't see it. I mean, we give the credit for George Patton for leading the Third Army to victory in France and so over in World War II. But no, George Patton didn't win those battles. The men did. Mm-hmm. The men mm-hmm. fought those mm-hmm. battles. Mm-hmm. Patton, though, was a wild man. Just like any president that we respect. He was a wild they man. They go completely off what, you know what I he mean? He was a yeah. wild man, yeah. but he was the finest general uh, in yeah. that war in, yeah. in, in the European theater. No know what's right. That. Yeah, you have to. You have to say. You know, I know what you're saying, but I know what's right, and that's he's one of those wild people. That you know how to get done. There's no question. Got to get that. done. Yeah, that's right. Yep. So, uh, just what can I say? But uh, people who have never had the personal experience of this, stuff, whether it's in, in comedy or sports or whatever, they talk all this talk and got no experience to back it up. And yet they're and yet they're adamant. That's why <sighs> it was that moment when I'm sitting there with a, with a, with a, with a Pro Bowl that that moment where I was like, I can never talk to another sports fan again no. because this tells me what the level of conversation is. It's because this person no. is adamant that they're right. right blows my mind as just real quick uh, i always have to tell people that um uh, general macarthur in korea is like uh he's like uh, martin luther king or tupac here he's just in everybody's house like right. everybody's got that picture of douglas macarthur in korea to the point where when i was a kid i'd see that picture everyone i thought he was an american president right just because you used to see him in every house in korea right but it was the same thing is he's a wild man he was like here's what we need to do otherwise you know what i mean like unlike vietnam which is kind of vague in korea it was like no 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 
Every, it's coming down on us. You know what I mean? We need to set the we need to set the line fast. Well, it's back in those days when there were real lines of demarcation between Actual enemy territory lines. and, right, right. and your territory. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That was a much more straightforward thing. With yeah. these new wars like Vietnam or what Iraq or Afghanistan, yeah. you're surrounded by all kinds of people, and you know who's the friendly civilian, who's oh, the enemy. You have no idea. Mind numbing. It's I've, a much more difficult. Yeah, war. I have several clients of mine that are uh, um, Vietnam War vets, and they tell me stories, and it blows my mind every time. My Absolutely brothers are Vietnam veterans, so am I. Yeah, yeah. So you you are in these situations, and the same thing is going Iraq and Afghanistan, the same kind of thing. Because we see the sensationalized Hollywood versions. Oh, exactly. We see when they tell me stories, it's much more. Oh man, you know that's he's just. I get up in the morning and I pray just because I'm glad I'm still here from all the things that he's seen. You know, yeah. it's complete. I'm like, then none of that's glorified. The stories they tell me is is uh, uh, I'm very proud of the service that my family, my grandfather's buried in Arlington, right? Yeah. I have so many clients of mine that, that that are veterans, and I see what they actually go through. This country's horrible to veterans. Our military spending goes up and up and up and up, and we do very little for veterans, very little. Why not? And yet every time people say, like, support the troops, support the boat, that no. person, I'm like, what are you doing they to support do the troops? Because I help people with PTSD almost daily. I help people with fix their lives daily because I care about veterans. What are you doing to support the troops other than saying it to make yourself look better? I can tell you Crazy. right now, I have a good friend who for a couple, uh, several years worked in the VA. Um, she was a senior nurse there. Uh, I will man- not mention the particular hospital, but she was horrified by the lack of organization, the yeah, lack of support. Sad. Even after all this, the publicly um, uh, discussed issues around the VA not serving the the needs of uh, veterans in the hospital setting and so forth, she found so much incompetent in mm-hmm. this organization among the people supposed to be providing care. That's what my vi- yeah. That's what my veterans tell me. All yeah. these uh, obstacles to providing health care for veterans. They restrict. It's restricted. They make it's it crazy. more complicated. It's, it's the crazy. Op- it's the opposite support the troops. They make it difficult for the Absolutely. troops to get the help they need. Yeah. And so it's it's that's that's where I got that perspective. Is every time someone you hear someone be like, support the troops. It's all my veterans always kind of raise their you know, roll their eyes and be like, well, the all first right, thing, you help, help the me out. The troops is not to put them in a war that shouldn't be fought. Yeah. It's the first thing to yeah. do. Yeah. Secondly, if they are involved in the war, take care of them after the war is over. That's to me all that matters. Take care of the, the emotional wounds as well as the physical wounds. And you know, that's the thing. I I know a lot of people that work with wounded warrior. It's a wonderful for project right yes but it's also um it's the it's easy if you see someone that's lost a limb or lost their eyesight or lost their hearing or lost something then it's very easy to be sympathetic when you see someone that's happily married and in a, in a situation it's it, it's it's easy for people to just go yeah well they're fine no 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 they live through nightmares Correct. all sorts of horrors that you don't see they, they there's just nothing out that you can see you don't see the inner wounds we don't see the inner wounds and we do very little to help that so there's nothing there to there's nothing from the va there's not an organization those people are just left in the middle and that's the vast majority of our soldiers of our troops and it's uh, sad because you you know of, of ways in natural medicine we can help these people. Tons. There's so many different ways we can do it. And it doesn't involve the use of very expensive pharmaceutical drugs. There are many other ways to get the PTSD uh, addressed. Uh, so I don't know what to say anymore. I, you, you see the, the, the disparity between what is said in our society yeah, yeah. and what is actually done. They say one thing, they do just the opposite. That's the problem. And this tendency to keep on doing more and more of the same thing to expect to get a different results. Right. Stop doing what is not working. Start doing more of what does work. Find out what really works and do that. You know what I found? Uh, Americans in general and people <clears throat> is, is, is we, we do like the fact that our businesses are stand up where we're, we, we're, uh, we're used to trusting businesses, right? And having a relationship of trust. Um, and so uh, Americans do not like being weaseled. Right. So when like when you, you and I were talking how 
customers of mine will, will have these belief systems and have these things set up where they say, I think this, or I say that. And I go, actually, did you ever read the back of the bottle? Look at the dose, right, look right. at the price. They're like, I go, you've been paying five bucks more a month. How long have you been doing this? Six months. You've been paying five bucks too much a month for six months. How you feel now? Then it's funny. Then they change their perspective. So they'll argue with me or they'll give me reasons or justifications. Right. But then I was like, wait, 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 you've been paying, you've been paying more money for less in the bottle for right. the last six months. What do you say about that? That's, right. that's when they take my side. That's when like, oh, now I see what you mean. You have to wake up and smell the coffee. Yeah, I mean, just, look at, I mean, look at what's, I mean, 2008. I mean, that, they, that was, that, that was the, the big red flag. I mean, they were believing in, you know, we have to believe what the guys on Wall Street are saying and so forth. No, we don't because they, they don't know what they're doing. First of all, they're incompetence and they're also corrupt. Look at Wells Fargo. I mean, can you imagine making yeah. up all these false accounts for your own customers? Yeah. I mean, this, unconscionable. I don't know why anybody would have a Wells Fargo re- account. I, I mean, mean I, I just don't. I closed mine out a year ago and actually won a lawsuit against them. And I, every time yeah. people, I, I have clients and friends that come to me all the time complaining about Wells Fargo did. And I go, yeah, yeah. I closed yeah. my account 10 years ago and sued them and won. You know what I mean? I don't know why you're complaining. I tell them generally, as somebody that cares about you, Stop complaining. You either shut down your account or you, or you There's don't There's more complain. to it than that. I had a, a banking executive tell me a few years ago. I was in Toronto. Uh, told me a few years ago, his job as a bank executive was to find ways to cheat other banks. Yeah, it's his job. So they, they have, no, every bank has thousands of transactions yeah. every day with other banks. So they yeah. tack on extra fees for all those transactions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they know that most of them will not be caught by the accountants. They're going to get So they somewhere. get extra money. Mm-hmm. So the banks are robbing each other. Yeah, each other. Yeah, the yeah, executives yeah. lie to each other yeah. and the banks are robbing each other. Mm-hmm. The banks are totally untrustworthy. Yeah, yeah. That's why I'm, I'm involved with my own uh, you know, um, trading and investing and so I do it myself because mm-hmm. you can't trust institutions. They will... T- I'll give an example. My friend Dennis got me into this. It's the old uh, other people's money. Other people's money, other people's yeah. Money. So uh, his mother has a certain amount of money at uh, a particular bank. I will not mention the name. And Dennis saw one of the uh, the statements, and he found that they were making 40% per year on what his mother had, oh, uh, had left with it. 40% a year. They gave her 5%. They kept the 40%. Uh, She's yeah. taking all the risk. All the risk, yep. And they're taking all the profit. All the people. And leaving people. her with peanuts. Other people's money. This is yep. it. yep. The guys and gals on Wall Street are getting rich off other people's money and give the people who invest very little in return for it. Well, yeah, it's it's that's that's a perfect example. When you show people that they that's when people so people that were, would argue with me suddenly I go, do you know you this company's been ripping you off for six months? Suddenly like yeah, then they take my side. So the same thing is like, did you know they've been ripping you off? Wait a minute, then they go after. Her. So it's not my job to 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 rile you up. My job is to simply say right. if you're okay with getting ripped off. That's fine, but don't complain, right? But if now that you know you're getting ripped off, how you feel now? How you feel and now? That's when people. But and so what can you do now to take your own economic future into your hands and well, move forward with it? it economic health right. in every category, exactly. well-being. Right. That's all I've done for 15 years, mm. and you for longer. Is all I've ever done is is day in and day out is change people's perceptions. People come in with certain ideas. Right. People come in and say, "I don't believe in homeopathy." I'm like, "Okay, I don't believe in tree fairies." What are you What are you talking about? What is this conversation? I don't. What if I said I don't believe in maple trees? Well, there's a maple tree right there. So what was the point of this conversation? Are we just arguing? Everybody in nowadays uh, doesn't want to base anything on facts. We want to base it on, and we want to shove each other's opinions down each other's throats. Not come from a fact based system. So the way. So one way is. Is that instead of challenging or talking down to people or just being like, why don't you see this? Maybe they don't see it. I have, I have friends of mine that um, I, I tried to get off of Diet Coke, you know, and no matter how many studies are, I go, I'm just doing this because I care about you. And then I just frame it a, a particular way that two months later they go, I haven't drank Diet Coke in two months. Whereas because something I said finally clicked where they're like, oh, I don't care for that. I was like, how many people do you see drink 
Coke, just Coca-Cola, right? How many people do you see pound like six Cokes a day? Not a lot. People pound six Diet Cokes a day. Yeah. I go, there's something insidious about that where it's tough to plow down six Coca-Colas, but you can plow down six Diet Cokes. Does that make sense to you? That's what changed her mind. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. So she didn't care about the aspirin. She didn't care about the synthetic. She didn't care about the studies on nerve damage. That was the one that got her, you know what I mean? Right. So what, you have to frame it to people the way the way they see, oh, I see that does make sense. So that is that is different. And one way that, that I know that for a fact, you have uh, a distinct role and kind of changing those perceptions is uh, is your book, The, the Healing Power of Flax, right? Mm-hmm, right? Just like I was talking with the, about how comedians, how men, if anytime you, you meet a comedian, do everybody a favor, don't say, tell me a joke. You know what I mean? Just don't do that. It'll make everybody's lives easier. Uh, same misperception is... Uh, um, uh, something that if I could never have this conversation again would be would make everybody's life so much easier is everyone saying that fish oil is better than flax, right? Right. Uh, without knowing <laughs> the full background, and it's not and there. it's not their fault. It's because if you get handed twenty articles that say like just like the echinacea one that in, in, incorrectly misinterpret facts and kind of right. jimmy things Correct. around Correct. and say fish fish oil is better, uh, then people are going to believe that. You're not going to believe the 21st that says the contrary one. And also, it's when I tell people that see that, I go, this is just so we're clear, I, we're not going to discuss things in terms of better or better than because that's like saying blueberries are better than raspberries. Right. There's no better and. There's different things going on in different mechanisms. And then here are the mechanisms. And then I show them and then they go, oh, I get it because now I presented them actual facts that they can take in. So Tell I'm, I, this. I always want to exp, have to explain to people about ALA and 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 how the body actually breaks things down. So, f- I would love it for if once and for all you break it down practical, so that you can tell anybody can listen to this clip and say, "This is what I've been trying to tell you for years. This is what I've been trying." You want to do that right now? Let's do it right now. It's very simple. <laughs> I mean, all omega three fatty acids on the planet originate uh, as from plant material ALA, alpha linolenic acid that you find in green vegetation. It all starts from there. So all the EPA that we find in animals, whether it's phyto, uh, animals in this ocean, they got from the phytoplankton at the bottom of the food chain in the ocean, or land animals, whether they're wild animals, wild game that you hunt, or uh, animals raised on grass, all that comes from the, uh, the alpha-linolenic acid that you find in green vegetation. Where is that found? The chlorophyll in green plants is located in what the chamber is called chloroplasts. And the membranes around the chloroplast contain ALA. So that your animals will take that in, and the ALA will be converted into EPA and DHA. Land animals, ocean animals, the same thing. So everything comes from ALA. And now we're finding, it's amazing, the research, it means, you know, attacking flaxil has not been good enough. Well, now, going back to the doing these meta-analyses, they're finding that ALA can do some things that flax oil cannot, that, the, that the fish oil cannot. For example... We now find that uh, ALA from flax oil can actually reduce prostate cancer risk uh, in a way superior to EPA and DHA. It can do something that, that uh, EPA and DHA cannot do. Uh, and the, there's a number of other studies that are showing that. So all this attack on flax oil and ALA was purely for commercial reasons. Mm-hmm. The fish oil people, instead of talking about the wonderful things that fish oil can do, attack flax oil and ALA yeah. just for commercial reasons right. and had no real scientific basis for it or had false science. There was some false study that came out back in 2000 saying that uh, uh, ALA increased prostate cancer risk. Yeah. Flax oil was never involved with that mm-hmm. at all. And then the study was specious. And now totally disproven, your, yeah. own, the, your own tax dollars pay for a National yep. Institute of Health study showing that no full source of ALA, whether it's flax oil or any other source, increased any prostate health problems yeah. on top of that. And now, just a couple of years ago, a meta-analysis actually said ALA has more influence in reducing prostate cancer risk than the EPA and the DHA. The opposite is true. Just yep. the opposite yeah. is true. Yep. So you can't... There's an old saying that I learned from an old man back, you know, back in the 70s. 
the lie rides a swift horse, the truth rides a mule. Hmm. You always wait yep. until all the evidence is mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And don't you must not just read headlines, read in detail. You must not be a dilettante right. when it comes to knowledge. You must be a scholar. Yeah. I'm a scholar by nature. Yeah. I dig into the facts. Right. So get your little limited, narrow mind out of the way and do some rigorous intellectual work. But unfortunately, we live in a country that's intellectually lazy. Yeah. So people don't want to do that. Yeah. So you have to dig and dig and dig. And I, I include, Takes work. Takes I include work. journalists in this. Sure. Uh, we have no real medical journalists in the United States. Why? Because if they ever challenged the medical establishment, they would no longer have Sponsors. access to the scientists. Sponsors gone. Or, yes, yeah. and the sponsorship yeah. is gone. Yeah. So they have to, they're medical no, stenographers. They simply copy down mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. The, the physicians and scientists are saying and then report that to the public as, as being gospel. Yeah. And quite often it isn't. And you know what? It's, it's, it's sometimes even like we know, even in light of the facts, people will still maintain things. So that's why I constantly try to shift things. And that's a perfect example. I'm glad you mentioned that is that when people would come in and say, hey, I read that omega fatty acids uh, are, are, are bad for prostate cancer because they just get the, they just get the snapshot. They just yeah. get the headline. They just get the top frame. And, and, I, and I show them and I would show them published studies and I I go, no, 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 this was completely refuted. As a matter of fact, uh, our own taxpayer dollars went into defrauding us and lying to us. How does that make you feel? That your taxpayer dollars went to go lie to you. Now they're mad. So they came in kind of distrustful, being like, man, I've been taking my fish oil for a while or my flax oil for a while because of this. And so instead, so they're still going, they're asking me for validation. They're kind of like, is that the right thing? And I go, I tell you what, when I show them that and I go, you just paid tax money to get lied to. How do you feel about that? Like, nope, back on my flax tomorrow. So you know what I mean? So I didn't have to convince them. I didn't have to give them some song and dance. It's, it's, it's reframing things where people said, oh, I cannot believe I fell for it. I'm like, don't feel bad. We all fall for it because how, yeah. if, how are we supposed to know any better? If we, if, 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 if the facts aren't clearly presented to us, Absolutely. how are we ever supposed to know? So it's trying to um, get the majority of us who are busy with our lives, busy with our time, busy with things in our lives that, that, that can't do the, the, the constructive digging. That's why you're such a valuable resource. Why I've been to be able to lucky enough to be a resource for people <laughs> is because I, people trust me enough to come to me. So I take that burden very seriously. Right? But Jim, the shame of the thing is that our, our news media, whether it's the oh, general boy. news media or the media that specializes in healthcare and so forth, it's a shame that they are so dependent on the establishment. All they do is regurgitate what the guys and gals at the top are saying. Yeah. They never delve into the real truth of the matter to yeah. challenge what the guys and gals at the top are saying and doing, yeah. to find what the real truth is about any matter. So we're not getting, you just can't trust them. I don't care if it's the Wall Street Journal or, or any of these typical uh, news reports you see on TV, on radio. You cannot believe what they're saying. Yeah. There's no there's, Edward R. Murrow's. There's, no, there's nobody shaking their fist at the system. No. They're with the, yeah, working no. within the system. They're part yeah. of the problem and not part of the solution. Yeah, yeah. So you have it's to true. really dig and dig and dig to find the truth, whether it's in the scientific community, whether it's in, in finance, in every aspect of life. Think, you cannot believe what you're being I told. I think that's the biggest point, though, is like you said, unfortunately, because uh, media, journalism, and for everything is so is so misleading that we have to dig further and further and further than we ever had before. And ironically, we live in an age where we have the most information available us than we ever have. We have right now with the internet, the right. first time in human history, we have every piece of knowledge that man's ever. You know what I mean? Ever assembled. And you can have access to it anywhere in the world as long as you have some kind of hookup to the internet. Yeah, you have access to the the accumulation of mankind's collective knowledge. Correct. And yet it's so much easier to be swindled now than ever before. Right. It's crazy. And you cannot be lazy. If you really want to know something, you must dig for the facts. And by all... This is something else that people got to get out. They have to have the intellectual discipline and honesty to explore 
different points of view. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. must not. I don't. Mm-hmm. If you're concerned, you must not listen to just Fox News and Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. You must seek out other points of view. Yeah. Liberals must listen to conservatives. Yep. Conservatives must listen to liberals. I, People with different points of view have something of value to teach. Yeah. You. I read an article that's, that that. Uh, 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 a white journalist wrote that said, I'm a racist and I'm sorry to teach me how not to be. Yeah. So that's a pretty jarring title. I'm like, Oh it man, is. I wonder if this person grew up in a, in a, in a, in a, in a KKK environment or maybe in a very, you know what I mean? Damaged environment. But here's the thing, it didn't. He said, I'm just a normal, typical white right. American. The basic decisions I was making and, and things that I was having, I did not know had this effect on my black friends. Exactly. And the article was very illuminating. He was saying like, I didn't know the things I was, I wasn't intentionally out of hate or out of. And that's what Tim Wise is. You no, know, this nation's top uh, speaker on this subject talks about we are inadvertently doing these yeah, things yeah, yeah the problem is now even james baldwin realized this new years ago that even african-americans are culturally conditioned against their own highest and best long-term interests mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they but, think they're less than yeah, because yeah. they've been programmed to think they're less than yeah those studies that they've done for years about how classrooms didn't realize <clears throat> that they treated boys and girls differently right they didn't realize and every teacher in, in, in the country in america did it and it was all socialized we just didn't know and then it wasn't the teachers being bad it was just that's the way we think that's where our system was designed right. where a young boy raises his hand a uh, young girl raised her hand to ask questions like he's like um uh no no kimberly that's uh that's the wrong answer um and then uh so a kid a, a young boy asked a question and it's like no jeff that's the wrong answer but good try why didn't she get the good try exactly so subtle and so but it, it you don't realize what impact that had exactly. on young women you know what i mean it's because exactly. well it's a math class and women aren't good at math and so teachers didn't know they were doing it until they ran these studies and teachers and they're good-hearted people were going oh my god i've been doing that for 30 years i didn't even realize it's so ingrained but yeah. see now things are changing well i, mean, I think most of the valedictorians coming out of high school in this country are uh, female now yeah yeah i saw that yeah uh, graduates. So things have things have really changed in this country right but uh you know there's just so much that people have to to contend with. It's not just the fact that oh, yeah. they're living their life. We're so inundated with all kinds of media hype. The commercials, the the uh, the uh, commercially controlled journalism, I mean, there's so much of this, this nonsense and misinformation that people don't know what to believe anymore. Uh, yeah. I saw this. I saw this. Uh, art. Oh, man, I forgot what it was for. But he was... Uh, might have been a, a MacArthur Scholarship winner, or a Rhodes Scholar, some 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 achievement, right? And so he said, as an African American, uh, I was told by one of my friends, professors, somebody that in a mentor, he's like, as as a young black man, you have to be twice as good as right. the next black man. Is because as you uh, achieve more the more people are going to say like, well, it's just uh, affirmative action or he's right. just got that because of this or just got back to this. Right. Whereas if you are so far superior to all of your competitors, nobody says that anymore. What a burden. What a massive burden. That's like telling a young athlete, you have to be better than the next guy's best player. Right. Other, otherwise, you're, you're just average. That's what it takes. To be, yeah. So we don't see that perspective. We see, see women were saying that when the women's liberation movement really took hold and we started getting female executives back in the 70s. They were saying they realized they had to be twice as good as the yeah. average man just to be accepted as good enough to, to be in the executive Just to be in the club. Just, right, be, just the club. be there. Yeah. Right, so this is this is typical of the situation. You always have the extra burden. You know, I, I, I had forgotten. I mean, we've talked about it because you and I, when we talk, we talk about Baltimore. We talk about you know where we grew up and 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 and, and things like that. Um, so it's funny, like we 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 never get into these types of super deep intellectual uh, uh, conversations. This is exciting, but I had forgotten that your uh, <laughs> your uh, degree from Johns Hopkins originally was in uh, physics, physics yeah. and mathematics. Correct. Yeah. Do you so? Do you still engage a lot and see all the all the things changing right now? I mean. 
Did you keep, I mean, you see, keep up with physics and, and, and what's happening in the world? The basic concept, yes, and it's amazing. It's, it, it makes me feel more comfortable with the whole concept of energy medicine. Mm. I think that's the one. That it's finally is, validating it's fi- what you but, believe. But yeah. still, it's still being fought you know, tooth and nail by the oh, conventional yeah. establishment. Yeah. I think energy medicine is going to be the way of the future yeah. because it's a medicine that is inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very deep acting, but very few side, few side effects is uh, properly applied. Uh, but it's something even my nature of the colleagues are not willing to fully embrace. Yeah, I could be wrong on the facts on this, but I, yeah, exactly. Even your own colleagues, there was uh, Nova did a thing, and I wish I would have taped it. Uh, but there were there was it was some symposium and then of the top um, minds in uh, uh, in quantum physics and this and that. And uh, I think it was Stanford. Some some scientists proposed a study and then looked at empirically other scientists and physicists were looking at it and being like, yeah, this is all legit. This is all, this is all, all, all the math, all the work adds up. What is this proving? They said, proves the power of prayer. And they're like, bunch of garbage. Yeah, right. You just said everything lines up until we said what the study was. Exactly right. And you completely, it blew my mind. Exactly. And, and everyone that saw that interview that believes in prayer was like, yeah, there you go. Anyone that doesn't believe in prayer was just kind of like, yeah. So no matter what you are putting in your head, Pretty those thing. facts didn't change anything. You totally still had the same ideas you had before. My, one of my distinguished colleagues, Dr. Leanna Standish, who used to be the head of uh, research at Bastion University, actually did a study. And she did, I think it was done with MRI uh, scans. She actually did a scan where you actually do the basic scan of a person while just under ordinary circumstances. And then you do a scan where the person is being prayed for and sent positive healing uh, intentions by other people. It, it lights up the scan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something, the, the energy sh- that that person shifts. There's something there. There's something there. And what's difficult is that... Uh, uh, it was not very long ago. I mean, it was it was essentially in our lifetime. It's just a generation away that if you said there was anything smaller than an atom, you were a moron. Of you were laughed at by you were a complete jokester. Oh, I know. Then I we know. split the atom, and there's quarks and quantum particles and all these other things. You can't keep track of it. Exactly. So 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 the same way with 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 that type of quantum medicine and things like that. Whenever people say, "Oh, you and your voodoo nonsense," I'm like, "But what if t- ten years from now we crack this atom? Do I get to say I told you so?" You know what I mean? Like, why would you not Jeremy, want to believe that in the today's best Today's heresy is tomorrow's dogma. <laughs> yeah. That's just the way it is. I mean, I mean, people, the problem, there's a, a major blind spot in science. I hate to say it. Uh, and I've, I've been in the scientific field all my life, in the, the physical science and biological sciences. The blind spot of science is the fact that science will not accept something unless it can be measured and quantified. Mm, in fact, I had a brilliant yeah. scientist, Dr. Baranoff, used to work for the Pentawater Company, who actually said this. This guy was a PhD in biophysics and a master's degree in physical chemistry. A brilliant Russian scientist said that. Unless it can be measured and quantified, a scientist will not accept its existence. Now think about this. Think about all the radio waves coming out of star systems since the Big Bang. But until a scientist can measure it, he or she would not accept the fact mm-hmm. that such, such energy exists in the universe. So this is the blind spot of science. Unless it be, can be quantified and measured and so forth, as far as the science is concerned, it does not exist. But there's so many things that exist that at this point cannot be measured with human instrumentation. Right. It's as simple as that. Right. So that's science's blind spot. Yes, and never acknowledges. It's an, yeah. an enormous blind spot. We, we kill people by the thousand for saying the world is round, and then one day, suddenly everyone's like, oh yeah, it's round. Well, wait a minute. You and now it suddenly becomes you can't just flip. Yeah, you can't just flip like that. You spent your whole life and killing people. And they never will own the damage you never done to people the damage. who was, was slapped down for saying the world is round. That's what saddens me, is that people are never have to take accountability for the damage they've done. They're exactly. like, what can I tell you? I was wrong. Well, people suffer because you were wrong. And exactly. you have to take that in. Yeah. yeah. yeah Galileo was tortured into recanting yeah. his own, his yeah. own by the Catholic Church. Yeah, absolutely. So we have to realize this happens. I mean, 
we, we no, the, the church will actually would actually burn people at stake, but in the scientific community, we actually engage in character assassination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We destroy people's careers, like the right. guy who was, um, who was the fresh world algae uh, uh, expert and so yeah, forth. Yeah, We see it all the time. So this yeah. is a, a, a problem in the scientific community, especially, and also in the spiritual community. We need a, a way of bringing science and spirituality back together. No, 100%, again. yeah, that's the key. I mean, we need a theology that's big enough to embrace everything that mm-hmm. no, Dr. Neil deGrasse Tyson talks about. Sure. Give yeah. me a theology as big, a theology as big as a cosmos. Right, exactly. And of course, it's not going to be something you can write down in a book that was written thousands of years ago. Yeah. So we need a a theology that big, a new theology that that embraces all the cosmos as we know it today. It's that simple. Why would you not want to expand and grow as as human beings as a society? What's um, Reagan's famous quote? Uh, The person that that, uh, agrees with you 90% of the time is not your enemy. (laughs) <laughs> right? We try to find the 10% that we can squabble on. I know. Whereas the 90% we all agree on, just be better to each other, try harder, love exactly. each other, touch, kiss your kids. You know what I mean? Like touch someone else's life. That's it's simple, very this, easy. This and get, yet it's so hard for most of us. This gets controversial. Do. Solomon Rusty, the guy who wrote that the controversial book, mm-hmm. uh, Satanic Verses, mm-hmm. he was interviewed by Bill Mill Moyes a few years ago. He actually made this statement It's only in the area of religion that we allow the past to dominate the present. Yeah. In no other area do we want something from the past unless it's been proven to be worked today. Now, mm-hmm. we want the most modern, up-to-date thing. In medicine, in healthcare, with everything, we want the most modern, up-to-date thing. Oh, right, right. It's only in religion that we go back to the past and say that way of thinking will dominate today's way of, of being. Right, right, right. Only there do we do it. Yeah. Why? And and we get so we get so caught up with these are the way things are. So whenever we, we joke with people about uh, white Jesus versus black Jesus, as comics, right. we always joke about that type of thing. It was like, exactly. well, at that period, of time everybody's brown in that area right so how is jesus white you know right Right. and so also the bible itself says that when jesus comes back it's going to be a massive surprise to everybody right right? so uh one of my favorite comedians is a local comic named sung lam was a good friend of ours and uh, and and, uh one of our best and he said well what if he comes back and he's chinese right you know what i mean there you go the bible just answered itself he's like that's chinesis right right i fooled you all i'm chinese right i'm not black or white right (laughs) Right? and that's what the bible said don't whatever you're expecting it ain't gonna be that it's not gonna be that and and yet people fall on their swords for these these ideas or these pictures these notions and i'm like i was like what if what if jesus comes back and he's a lady who that the bible just said it could be anything it could be you know what i mean embrace that the bible just told you that's what's gonna what it's gonna be it's all mental programming yeah yeah and that's why this is what what christian murray was saying is so absolutely right you must realize the extent to which your mind's been programmed to believe things that aren't true right right and so much of of so many cultures exactly that way exactly we're programmed to believe things that aren't true the universe does not operate that way right i spent my whole life trying to have the universe tell me how it operates right Give right. me the, a cosmic truth, and I will go with that. So I'm right. digging and digging and digging to find closer and closer ways of being relative to how the universe really operates. What have you found? If you could give people one truth, what would you, what would you say? It's always deeper than you think. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. It's always deeper than you think. It's always deeper than you think. It's I mean, that, that, that's, this is, I was giving a presentation over in um, Coeur d'Alene. Uh, a couple of years ago and it's this guy I had known this statement before but the guy actually just reinforced in my mind the only the major obstacle to truth is a certainty that you already have it oh yeah 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 if you got all the answers why even bother you clearly yeah. have all the answers when you think you have all the answers you're just just playing a fool's game yeah you're only fooling yourself yeah this has been fun. It's always fun talking to you. It's been a blast. I could not have asked for more for our first episode. It's exactly what I wanted. You My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was a real privilege. It's great. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Best. Take care. 
Hey, that was Dr. Herb Joyner Bay joining us up at the Treetop Tavern in an undisclosed location deep within the woods of the Pacific Northwest at our studio. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, he's a, he's a free thinker. He's a voice worth listening to, uh, and we'll be having him back. So definitely email us any questions you might have that uh, the Dr. Herb might be able to answer, and uh, we'll get we'll get uh, on the next episode when we bring him back. We'll have him answer some of those questions in addition to a, an entirely new topic. We'll give him a more specific topic next time. This is just a fun way to introduce ourselves and and. Uh, uh, and him to the audience. And, oh, I thought he said something interesting. Uh, a quote by Ashley Brilliant. The greatest obstacle to discovering the truth is being convinced that you already know it. I think that encapsulates exactly what we are and what we're trying to do is uh, people come into discussions with their minds already made, in which point it's not a discussion. It's just people throwing their opinions about. So if you're already convinced you have all the answers and you're the smartest person in the room, well, there's no reason even discussing with you. Uh, free thinkers and people that actually are higher minded and trying to answer these bigger questions are always open to new ideas ideas because it's new ideas that help the little ones grow and also thank you to our sponsor amino complete rx is one of my favorite products and something i give absolutely everyone almost everyone that i know is just trying to get their lives back in order we're all uh strung out we're all all over the place and it's something i do give people as a baseline just to get themselves back in check and get their system going again so thank you so much for listening we uh we have another exciting guest next week and thank you so much we can't uh, tell you how much we appreciate it and uh, we'll be hearing from us again that's Number one.